Hi, and welcome. This is Lee Siegfried, host of A Life Well Lived with Dogs podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we keep it real. We talk about dogs, living with dogs, life with dogs, dog training, and the full spectrum of the journey from puppyhood and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get to it. Excuse me. Did you just get a new dog or adopt a dog? Let's have a little chat. Hello. Welcome to the Life of Live a Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Lee Siegfried. Let's get right to it. Today, we are talking about newly adopted dogs and older puppies. Now, technically, what am I talking about? What I'm talking about are dogs over the age of six months that have just recently found themselves in a home. Okay. So there can be sometimes overwhelm, confusion. And I think the underlying thought with new dog owners, puppy, or what have you, it's how do I not mess it up? How do I not fuck it up? Okay. 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 I get you. I get you. I get you. Okay. So I want to specifically talk to people that are, have rescued or about to rescue or considering rescuing or adopting a dog. So my first piece of advice is just take it easy. I know that you're excited that you have your new dog, but do not feel the need to drag the dog around town or take the dog to big festivals or parades or to meet 15,000 people. Kind of here's why. You want to consider that whatever the circumstances, now sometimes dogs coming from foster homes, it's a little bit of a different deal. But for a lot of dogs, they are actually on the other side of having been in a really unstable environment, whether that's a shelter, traditional kennel, foster homes are doing the best they can. But if it's if it's a space with a lot of dogs too, you know, you've got, got a lot going on there. So what I'm going to say is just consider that on the other side of this like big experience and they are rescued, you want to actually allow them the time for their central nervous system to start to like unwind so that they can prioritize relaxation and like showing you who they really are. Okay. So this just means relate to them in a way. I mean, it's really sweet when they're like, oh my God, I just want to cuddle puddle with you all day long. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's really sweet. And it's like, just give your dog some space to get comfy and make things like predictable and successful for you. Okay. So I'm just going to say easy killer. Don't drag the dog around town. Give the dog some time to decompress. Okay. Second thing I'm going to say is potty time. Okay. Party time, potty time, whatever you want to call it. So Either this is a dog that has had some history of being house trained that might have gotten things flubbed up in, in the mix of, of, you know, their interim home, or this is potentially a dog that is like starting from scratch. You want to relate to a dog new to any environment as like, you're going to need to be vigilant and help them out. What does that mean? <laughs> that means being vigilant, keeping an eye on them, keeping a leash on them, getting them out multiple times a day and encouraging them to go potty. Now, you can call it whatever you want. I tend to do it as a two-part process. I tend to not worry about the dog indicating right away. And sometimes people think that that's like what the dog should be doing is being like, I need to go potty. What's much more likely is that the dog just needs opportunities to have access to the space where they can potty and the time to do so. So you can encourage them to go potty by getting them outside and just saying like, hurry up, go potty. Or you could go... (laughs) Did this with my dog, potty yaddy yaddy yaddy. Like we did that, we did that. It was fun. It kind of actually did make house training a little fun. 
Once the dog is consistently emptying out in a space, throw a little party, give them a little food, pat them down, rub them down, play, whatever. Like you're just trying to encourage them to empty out quickly and then you can get to the good stuff. So you want to prioritize potty time. If the dog is struggling with house training, that's very likely because there's a management gap. A management gap. (laughs) What the, what WTF does that mean? Here's what it means. It means you're not on your A game. You get back to your home and you just let the dog meander. And then the dog very predictably has an accident, maybe in the same space or wanders to another room. Your management game is having the dog close to you on a leash, having the dog next to you on a stationary leash if you're not going anywhere. And then your management game is also considering what other options you have for confinement to help the dog rest and relax in a space to basically prevent accidents while making it very, very easy for them to be successful outdoors. Okay. So that's a little like starter with potty training. You will work towards the dog being able to indicate, but that's not always like ripe for the picking when the dog is very new to your home. In terms of how to keep a new dog busy in a household, considering that they are decompressing and they might need a lot of like a lot of stuff to do, which just means outlets to alleviate stress. You're going, down to, you're going to want to make sure that they have plenty of access for things to appropriately chew on. Stuffed Kongs, natural bones, sterile bones, buffalo horns, antlers, things that they want to chew on. If you have a very aggressive chewer, like a dog that is just like, I'm shredding stuff, I would go with bones and things that seem a little more indestructible. In terms of edibles, <laughs> you can do, you can give your dogs bully sticks or pizzles as they're affectionately known. Those are edible. You can give them yak chews, which are also edible. You can give them, you can give them things like pig's ears and whatnot. It's just like those things are not going to last very long. I tend to go with a bully stick, a yak chew, or a frozen raw bone. Asterisks and parentheses, provided that the dog does not have any prior history of guarding objects because that's very high value. So, and doesn't have gut issues. But that aside, giving your dog something very valuable to chew on is it's it's really high up there with giving the dog outlets for stress relief while helping them settle in that new environment and keep their job busy and like alleviate some stress. Okay. Play too. Play is sometimes undervalued or sometimes overvalued. Sometimes we're like, oh my God, buddy, you're here. Come on, play, 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 play. You want to be able to play and I encourage you to play. This is like how you're going to get to know your dogs. And sometimes people get a little freaked out because they initiate play. The dog gets loud and growly or the dog may like jump up and mouth them or it may seem to kind of turn up the energy in a way that is like not exactly what the person was looking for. Okay, fair. Here's my hot take though. You're just going to need to how to you're going to need to learn how to create and turn play on and turn it off. And when you have a better sense of how to do that, things are going to be golden. It's just that sometimes dogs do get aroused in play and then people don't know how to really like find the off switch and that's all good. We will teach you how to do that. Okay. Also, begin your training. If you have a dog who is eating food and they are happy to eat the food, babes, it is time to start hand feeding that dog to establish basic communication. And I hate to break it to you. I'm not saying sit down, stay and paw. I I know that those are like the greatest hits. People love that shit. What I'm talking about is beginning to build your communication system with words that are meaningful associated with food. Example. Okay. We've got a dog head here, but okay. Here's my hand. Example, good delivery of food. Good delivery of food. Good delivery of food. Or the food's here and the dog's like, oh, I'm jumping. And I'm like, good. So you can use it to create tons of impulse control. You can use it to begin to charge up what we call your marker words, 
marker words are just sounds used consistently in training that are associated with an outcome. Like, oh, you're going to tell me to go fetch or like, I'm going to chase a ball or I get to run off leash or we're going to play tug now, or you're going to feed me. So get rolling on using your food to actually start to build your communication system. Also, another thing I'm going to say with newly adopted dogs, guys, like, I don't know where you're listening to this in the process. Maybe before you get a dog, once you have a dog, more dogs get off leash and go missing. And I'd say the first 48 to 72 hours, maybe it's even the first 24 upon adoption than at any other point. So my loves, let's quickly talk about equipment safety. Martingale collar. Martingale collar is a collar that a dog cannot slide out of. It's a really great idea for any dog, especially a dog new to your home. A leash on the dog at all times, you know, go overkill with that, even if you don't think the dog could benefit from it. Like if you're like, but they're in a fenced space, leash on the dog, maybe a long leash on the dog, a 30 or a 15 foot leash. Here's the biggie. You need to very quickly, very quickly, and I'm talking day one, begin to work on threshold manners. Now threshold manners, what am I talking about? I'm simply saying if your dog is exiting a crate, exiting a car, exiting any house door, and and this isn't like creepy control stuff. I'm not talking about creepy control stuff. I'm talking about safety. I'm talking about a dog not going charging out a door and like bad stuff happening. Okay. When I'm talking safety, I'm talking about teaching a weight at a door or a threshold. I'll call it threshold manners, but basically what it's saying to the dog is you need to back and move away from the door. You need to pause and we're going to work towards the dog, like also checking in with you that as a precursor to going outside. Here's why I think the weight cue maybe more than any other cue cue is just like a dog nerd term for like command <laughs> word. Okay. I think the weight cue is like so insanely valuable, but particularly because dogs in new environments can be startled by things that we don't anticipate and find themselves in situations that cause a maybe slight panic from us. I want you to very quickly establish a routine, an expected routine near doors. So I'm going to talk you through how to do that. And maybe we'll upload a separate tutorial about this, but here's the quick and dirty of it. Okay. Let's say I'm at a door. Okay. And my dog is like, like I'm right at the door and the knobs on the left side. I'm like reaching for the knob. Right. And let's say the dog is slightly behind me, but let's say they're like, they're doing this at the door. They're like, you know, they're like nose is right against the door. I'm going to place my body in between them and the door and push into their space to move them out of the space. And I can say, Hey, wait and push in my hands on the knob. I go to open the door. If the dog moves forward, I kind of take space from them and like ask, I, I basically move into their space till they keep predictably moving back. And I say, wait, and I open the door just a little teeny bit, then a little bit more, then a little bit more, then a little bit more until the door is about halfway open and the dog is still standing inside the door. Now I just want to put a little emphasis on this as it's standing, not sitting. And here's why. People spin their wheels getting the dog to commit to sitting at the door, and it becomes an exercise in futility. A, the dog very likely doesn't have the impulse control yet to to pull that one off, okay? B, it can give you a false sense of, like, obedience by the door. C, here's all I care about. The dog is patiently waiting to be invited to go somewhere. That's it. They can stand. They can lay down. They can sit. I don't care. But sometimes asking for the sit is like cart before the horse. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for hearing me there. So the weight cue is something that should be used at a crate door, at a gate door, at an exterior door to a house, inviting a dog out of a car. 
And if the dog goes to plunge out, the door just shuts. So this it becomes this really cool feedback game of when you try to move past me or push through, like we just hit the pause button again and we start over and the dog might be like, oh, I'd really like to get out the door. And I'm like, I, I would love to give you that opportunity. And you need to like move into offering something different in order to make that happen. So it, it, to me, it's a huge, huge, huge safety thing. It, in understanding and beginning to teach that with your dog quickly means you are, you know, you're just on the front foot. I want to be on the front foot <laughs> with the newly adopted dog and I want to help them out and I want to keep them safe. Last but not least, I would say, you know, the C word, confinement, crating, however you want to think of it. It's like, is it absolutely necessary to crate train a dog? No. However, you will be more limited in terms of lifestyle if your dog is not able to adapt to being left alone in some capacity. So confinement training and use of a crate, it is generally about safety, preventing destruction around your house, having your dog's like house training move along quickly. And I know that for some of you, that's going to be, that's going to be a sticking point and and it might be a little bit of a rough one there. But what I'm going to say is that there's alternatives to using the crate, including exercise pens, gates, a dog being able to be left in a room comfortably. However, I would encourage you all to pursue the idea of your dog being able to master being comfortably crated. And I know there's going to be some outliers where it's just like, that's a lot of work. And it's not that it's a lot of work. It's just that the dog is, has some history of patterning, like some pretty big distress that could look like the dog actively trying to escape and being destructive. That could look like, I'd say that's the biggest in terms of outlier responses, like, or a dog maintaining vocalization for hours at a time. Like, look, like nobody really wanted that you didn't put that. That wasn't on your adoption checklist. <laughs> Can I please have a dog that barks for hours at a time? I would love that. And my neighbors will totally love me too. We get it. However, be open to the possibility that your dog actually can be successfully confinement trained. And it might look a little different for some of you. Some of you may need to get creative with the kind of space that you're using. But the big picture here, guys, is that your dog is relaxed when you're not home so that they can have a high quality of life and not just be like looped in a stress response when you're not present. And a crate is just a predictable way to give them like an assigned space to be, to be chilling and cool and probably chewing on stuff or taking a nap. So don't distress, but reach out if, if you're like, this all sounds good. And like, we need help. (laughs) We need help. Feel free to get in touch. So this is Lee with Life While Live With Dogs podcast, also founder of Opportunity Barks Behavior and Training. You can check us out online. You can check us out at opbarks.com. You can visit us on Instagram at opbarks feel free to reach out. You can always DM us or shoot us a message to hello at OP Barks. And if you send us questions, we'll be happy to answer these in podcast or on YouTube formats. And thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. All right. Love you. Bye.